Welcome to Lore Citizen, a podcast dedicated to all things Star Citizen lore. If you enjoy this, make sure that you like, subscribe, and follow all of our social medias. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Lore Citizen. I haven't had to do one of these before, but I felt that it was very important to, given the nature of the content that's going to be discussed. So, um, content warnings for child abuse, child violence, child murder, and just violence in general for this episode. So, just letting you know ahead of time, that's coming up. Thank you. Hope you enjoy the episode. I'm with two brand new guests who, um, you've, if you've been watching my Captain's Table series, you've seen them on multiple times before, uh, and they'll be on in, like, later on. Uh, fun story, these two actually originally contacted me to be on Lore Citizen, and I thought they were talking about Captain's Table, so this is just like, this was the original show that they wanted to do. <laughs> in fact, they contacted me specifically and asked if they could they could do this this part, so I was like, yeah, sure. I'm always good with people who are interested in lore who want to talk about stuff. So um, I'll introduce, uh, I guess, in order of, um, uh, of, of the, you know, uh, no no particular order except for order of, I guess, presentation. Um, I'm here with Fist and uh, Jawa. So Jawa, who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen and where can they find you? Yeah, I'm Jawa Sparky. Um, let's see. And I've been doing Star Citizen almost a year now. And... Um, I, I like doing a lot of mining and that's where my main thing is. I, that's where I'm really into that. And then I go do shenanigans with fist. Um, and you can find me on, uh, Thursdays on Twitch, um, 7 PM mountain time and also Sunday mornings, 9 PM mountain time on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash, uh, Fist and Jawa. All one word? All one word. Okay. The link will be down in the description for those of you who are watching this on YouTube and for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast format. So, uh, and of course, with Jawa, we have Fist. Fist, who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen? And where can they find you? Hey, so I am Fist25, and um, I also do a lot of streaming with uh, my buddy Jawa over there. And it is Fist, Space, and Space. Jawa. Yes. We we actually thought about swapping it around because people have different meanings. But anyway. Fisting Jawa. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That sounds like a very, very specific type of Star Wars fan a fan community that we, no one wants to hear about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, we do uh we we kind of do a little bit. Uh we save the universe every time we stream and uh, we've been having a lot of fun with uh, 314, kind of. Um, kind of. Minus and, the bugs. <laughs> minus the bugs and the, the ballistics, but um, we won't get into that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find us, uh, again, as Java said, on our stream. Um, I actually do the YouTube part of the part of the stream on Thursdays, and it's YouTube. If you just search Fist and Jawa, um, yeah. or the link in our website, fistingjawa.org. Um, we have a website where it has all the links to our Discord and everything. And then we just started a non-Star Citizen stream, and it is Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we it's called the we are called the Natural Ones, like the number one. So yeah. if those those D and D nerds out there, if you roll a natural one, that's bad. And uh, you can find us every other Monday on YouTube. Just search the Natural Ones. There's a big white 
natural one on there and uh we won't be on uh we're obviously we're not on today but we will be on the following monday on the 16th and then every two weeks after that and then we'll do some other content and stuff at that channel so check us out over there we're running a first edition module called teagle manor but with fifth edition rules and our dm is hilarious so nice yeah yeah I would say Astro Pub super fans will know that I actually also run a, a weekly uh, tabletop RPG podcast. So, right on. Nice. That's on a completely nice. separate channel from Astro Pub that I, I that very few people only only the hardest of the hardcore nerds follow me there. Yeah, I may um, have to hit you up for that link. Yeah, it's, it's the spice must roll is what it's called because um, it's all nice. It, it's all it's all sci-fi based TTRPGs. So. Cool. Uh, but I, I grew up with, as many of us nerds did, grew up with D and D. So, but I just, I just got tired of fantasy. Uh, I just wanted something more futuristic, and I've been experimenting with other, other things. It's pretty cool, though. All right. Well, without further ado, let's talk about. Let me talk a little. Uh, introduce the topic we're going to talk about with Star Citizen Lore today. Uh, so, for many people, um, this may be your first time. So, uh, like listening to anything lore. So, I, I will try to be as bare basic as possible before uh, each of our guests uh, introduces their own uh, section of this. But in the end of the 29th century, um, I'm sorry, into the 28th century, humanity in the Star Citizen universe was ending, came up a violent end to the uh, ruling class that had ruled humanity for 200 plus years, the Meser family. And the process upon which the Mesers fell is, like many political activities today, a complicated one that stretched over long periods of time. So we're going to talk about the end of the Meser era, and we're going to be looking at some specific events, which in the lore they've marked as very important towards that goal. Uh, so we're going to start off with um, the death of Anthony Tanaka as a... Uh, as, uh, talked by Jawa. So Jawa, tell us a little bit more about who Anthony Tanaka is and how does he get involved in this whole thing? Yeah, um, those of you that have um, been playing for Star Citizen for a little bit and have gone to Levski, you see a, a guy in the main um, section of it. There's a, a gentleman holding a child. Um, and, and then it says, you know, Anthony Tanaka down at the bottom. And, you know, I didn't know anything. I thought the guy was Anthony Tadaka, but no, the child was. As soon as I heard that, you know, being a special ed teacher, um, I really, I dove right into it. Um, so just kind of a little background before we get to Anthony himself. Um, as Paul mentioned, um, this group had been running for a couple hundred years. Um, and... Over those years, uh, the family, it was a family um, that took over after each other or killed each other off, <laughs> go, yeah. go figure, um, that they were, um, they were tightening their grip and stripping the Senate of their, of their power and authority. Um, they were corrupting the advocacy um, and into their private police force. Um, and they used the fear of the Zion and Van Duel mainly to feed all of this so um so all of that was going on and there was a young boy by the name of anthony tanaka he didn't really know any of the history 
of what was going on. All he knew was what was going on around him. Um, all he knew was a world of checkpoints and uh, government brutality. So, but that was life. Uh, you know, he just, he was born into it and that's what it was. Um, his parents worked at um, factories um, and they worked um, under the fear of, um, you know, of persecution or anything. If you say anything wrong, they'll come down on you. They'll, you just kind of disappear. And um, they just followed um, their orders without question. At the age of seven, seven years old, Anthony was called to work at an herbal plant um, and uh, to clean out scrubbing units. Um, his size allowed him to get places where um, adults couldn't, and he could do a far more effective job. Four years he worked, um, he worked there. He lived in the company barrack along with other, 50 other kids. And um, I can't imagine that was, you know, just a wide, spacious place. It was probably pretty tight. He worked six days a week. And, on a, and then on the last day, on Sunday, uh, on his seventh day, um, he was spent in mandatory learning programs. So he, he had to go to school. Um, at that time, they were forcing people to work like seven days a week. Um, and yeah, he uh, had to. Um, to those learning programs, learning about human history. His wages were virtually non-existent um, because they are absorbed by housing, educational, and food charges levied by the company. Now, wait a minute. Who does that sound like? Huh. Could it be Hurston? Yeah, um, very, very comparable to modern Hurston and Art Corp, actually, which yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. I think Art Corp's a, not as bad as Hurston, but... <laughs> yeah. They don't have the, the lifetime slave labor, but yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, to make things worse, in 2757, a gentleman by the name of uh, Lane Corpos, um, he was actually the Imperator's distant cousin, was appointed to administer the Magnus system um, after a noticeable declining um, in product quality. Um, this guy, he was not a good guy. He was really vicious, um, and uh, the Imperator at that time felt that he could entice them um, back to work, and his first order was to cancel the um, learning program and force the underage kids to work all week. Um, as you can imagine, working seven days a week, um, you know, its conditions just in the factory slowly diminished. Um, and things just got tougher. Shifts were extended by two, then four, then six hours. Available food, they did. They just skimmed it just to cut costs as most as best they can, um, and just so that the kids would have just enough energy to work um, without collapsing. And it it was just really tough. Um, and then on December 3rd, 2757, now that's an important date, on the tail end of a 16-hour shift, Anthony Tanaka's foreman ordered him to pick up a shift for a co-worker who went into anaphylactic shock after being exposed to a ruptured chemical canister. Anthony refused. You know, I mean, how many days in a row had the poor kid been working? I mean, he's, what, 11 years old. 
and um and you know 11 or 12 years old and you know he was just exhausted and he didn't want to do it and his supervisor saying no you got to do it and the boy refused um the foreman tried to you know tell him to silence and he he kept anthony kept getting louder and louder no 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 i don't want to do it i could see him tears running down his face just so exhausted he just wanted to go put his head down just for just for a couple hours um so um unfortunately all the other workers around just kind of watched in silence um they didn't really do anything and um but slowly people just stopped and they were watching and the machine stopped working and all they could hear was the sobbing voice of anthony tanaka saying i don't want to work i don't want to work a guardsman i guess overheard this or you know heard the machine stop went in there to investigate what's wrong um and he just walked up to the kid pulled his um sidearm and shot him the whole time the workers did nothing um i'm sorry that kind of gets to me a little bit yeah it's it's not easy. The story of Anthony Tanaka is one of the most outrageously emotional stories that I've ever yeah. seen in a video game, and very few people know about it. But those of us who've been to Levski know that, like, yeah. know the story if you got interested yeah. in it, which is nuts. So sorry, yeah. go ahead. And yeah, I can't wait to see um, Levski again. And just now that I've really studied up on Anthony, it's just I mean I I got a tear in my eye. Sorry, um, but it wasn't the end for him. Footage was actually smuggled out of the factory, and it's found its way throughout the empire. And um, for the this was bold enough to defy the emperor himself. Um, Anthony Tanaka would be the. I'm going to read this right from here. Anthony Tanaka became the symbol of that spirit that humanity's willingness to put up with cruelty of the Messers was coming to an end. Um. You know, it would still take 35 years, but in my opinion, this was the big spark that started that forest fire to take the measures down. Um, and, um, you know, now that I've done my studying here, I, I am going to take time on December 3rd. I mean, yes, yes, this is a video game. Yes, this is fiction. But that is telling for stuff that's happened here in the United States stuff that's happened in other countries around the world. Um, but on December 3rd, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to remember Anthony Tanaka and the other kids like him because there's tons and tons of kids just like Anthony Tanaka. So maybe that haven't come to this brutal of an end, but they're yeah. living in the conditions he is. Yeah. So. I mean, you, you and I are teachers by trade, so we also are probably a little bit more sensitive to stuff like that, where it's like, yeah. we know what kids are like when they're that young and they don't really yeah. understand, or they're just they're just kids and you yeah. can see people do horrible things to them. So, and yeah. many of us, you know, who aren't teachers who are parents may also know that they, you know, you, you raise a kid, you know, sometimes kids get tired, they're, they're kids, you know, and, you know, seeing right. that kind of brutal execution is kind of rough. Um, I'll add a little bit to this, which which something that's interesting is that the guardsman, mm -hmm. the guardsman was a code word. These, these are these is a special unit of uh, advocacy, uh, personal guard for Lane Campos. Oh, okay, okay. 
So it wasn't it wasn't just just some random guard. It was literally the personal guard of Lane um, Corpos oh, shooting wow. him. It was essentially like the the oh, emperor himself wow. was shooting a kid on that factory oh, floor. God. That's one of the reasons why it was a huge deal. Um, and it spread all over the place. And also, which is interesting fact, is that that footage actually caused RSI, probably saved RSI, the company, because the oh. CEO of the time who was running RSI pulled away from the Mezzer regime. Basically, he mm. said, we're going to go through all of our factories. We're going to ensure that no, we're not we're not hiring. We're not employing kids. We're making sure that we're, everything's going to be above bar to our own moral standards. And that, that lost them their, their uh, government contracts with the Mezzer regime. And when oh, the Mezzer's wow. eventually fell, it probably, that movement away is probably what saved them from the, the, like the massive culling that happened at the end of the Mezzer era, which kind of collapsed all the major shipping and ship manufacturers and just companies in general who had been working under the, the Mezzer's. So. so who else builds stuff at, uh, over at Magnus? At, uh, he was from what Newcastle on Berea yeah. in the Magnus yep. system. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's currently the home of uh, of uh, uh, Drake, but Drake hadn't existed at the time. It was probably okay. If I remember correctly, I'm going to look at um, uh, Arabol. Yeah, the uh, Arabol yeah. was a company that made munitions, so they're the ones right. who made right. okay. guns right. and missiles. So, right. It's it's eerily reminiscent of. Uh, like when kids used to work in the coal mines in America, mm -hmm. um, I mean that was that's less than three generations ago from today, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember my growing up, my stepdad, his father, uh, when he was about seven, and this mm -hmm. is in Colorado. He's he's mm -hmm. down there in southern Colorado working in the coal mines for like no pay, really. Yeah. yeah. But but they have to do that stuff to be able to feed the family, and it's. It's crazy, and that's the 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 invention. Well, not so much. I guess the invention of unions and uh, labor laws and things like that in in modern society, you know, kind of pulled children out of the workforce. But it says a lot to what the measures, especially the later measures, were about when that stuff still happens under their watch. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, you need munitions that bad. You got to employ children six to seven days a week. That's yeah. Well, it was, insane. it was the, the, I think it even says it a little bit more is that it, I think it more speaks to the fact of how corrupt the later measures were. Yeah. And that yeah. they weren't really doing it because they needed the money or they needed the, the guns. It's because they wanted to make sure that their friends who owned Arable. Right. Because all of these people were like friends of the Messers. They right. were all like like embedded with them. Like when I said like there was a there was a reaping of companies at the end of the Messer era, I mean like probably eighty to seventy to eighty percent of the companies. This is just my my opinion based off of what I've I've read. Like the majority of human based industry collapsed at the mm -hmm. end of the Messer era because uh it was so tied to the Messers themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if there was guillotines in 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 the Star Citizen universe, but if there was, they were working overtime at the end of the at the end of the Mezzer era, which is for how bad it was. It was so bad that literally after the Mezzer era ended in the early 29th century, there was a shortage of shipping companies because they had gotten rid of so many of the companies that made shipping, just you know, basic shipping stuff, that they had run out of ships. 
So oh. the co the government had to sell surplus naval vessels as shipping, like Idris's, as like cargo haulers in order oh, to wow. be able to, to keep up with demands for food and other things oh, wow. across the empire. So like yeah. people like Crusader and Nis and, uh, and Drake, they came mm -hmm. in to fill the roles of companies that had been collapsed because of the Mesra era. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, it's kind of amazing um, how much propaganda can influence a group. Because, uh, you know, they're saying, well, why are we making all these uh, munitions and these guns and this and that? And if somebody started questioning where the money was going, they're going, yeah, but the Zion and Vandul, man, they're coming to get us. So, oh, yeah. and they would just sell, you know, the propaganda with that fear and, um, and just cover themselves. It's just. And this uh, isn't a long time ago either. In, in Star yep. Citizen's history, in the verse, uh, the average human lifespan is about 130. Being mm -hmm. 130 and 150. So this is only, you know, four or five generations ago for, for many right, humans. Right. You know, this is like my grandfather was was there at the end of the Mesra era kind of thing. Right. You know, if, you know, my I remember, you know, current, you know, 150-year-olds, you know, may have distant memories of their parents living under the Mesers. So, yeah. like... It's it's not a it's it was this isn't like this is like an almost living memory for many people in the universe today. So you have things like Xenothreat, who like, are one. I wouldn't. I would believe that the only reason why they exist is because of the Mezer propaganda, um, mm -hmm. like that they're they're the evidence of like the results of Mezer propaganda that has kind of gone on forever and ever. So right, right. And this was under this would have been under Ulysses Mezer. Right. Yes. Because um, Linton would have been just a, a kid when this yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, and I think Linton was way worse than Ulysses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, his sister was no <laughs> yeah. fair peach either. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's an entirely thing. Um, so, I'll talk about the next one because that's a good 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 segue to talk about Ulysses. So. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Mezers and leading up to it because uh, the the assassination of Ulysses Mezer is actually the one of the other major catalysts to the fall of the Mezers and the kind of current new empire that we see, the new UEE that we see today. Um, we're going to start with uh, Gaylor Mezer, who was insane. <laughs> it's the best way of putting it. He is the um, uncle of Ulysses. He ruled from 2715 and uh, was was ousted somewhere between 27. Uh, he died in 2751 around that time. Now, his um, big thing was to like his big note. If you look him up on like the wikis and stuff like that, it's just that he was uh, the person who was all about meta baroque style he believed that these building these buildings would help kind of keep people in line with these these big you know baroque style buildings as a, as a way of showing power over the people um but he also uh was a replacement for the previous measure who was insane also <laughs> as you notice they get they get they get progressively more crazy um his um, I believe his brother, Samuel Mezer, uh, had intentionally allowed the, the Vanduul to invade. And Gaylor was supposedly the weaker one. 
so he would he wasn't able to inherit. But when Sam, when they literally murdered Sam, when his own guards killed him because he was causing the downfall of the empire, Sam, uh, Gaylor was installed as the new Mezzer, even though he had a degenerative bone disease. So he died very young, even for 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 humans at the time, which was eighty five. Um, and his uncle or his uh, nephew, who was not very, he was known as a kind of a political wet blanket. Uh, he was, he, he raised taxes and he was like his uncle, very obsessed with building structures, but he didn't really have the force of will. He wasn't very well liked, let's put it that way. Uh, he thought that he could make the people like him by building breads and circuses, building giant structures, monuments to his own ego. And one of those was called Kano Stadium on, on Angeli, which is in the uh, Croshaw system. Now, what he didn't know was that him spending like crazy building all of these different structures was bankrupting the UEE and his son and his daughter... Linton and Fiona, Fiona, who I believe was 11 or 12 at this time, um, said, we need to get our father out of, out of office if we want to have any power. Because he's just, he, we're not going to have an empire left. We're not going to have any money left. So we can't enjoy our time as, as Imperator. So they started plotting together um, to try to overthrow uh, their father. Linton was very, very charismatic and had all of the circles. He was the older brother. He, he had all of the, the, he could get all work, work into the circles, especially in the military circles, uh, because, you know, a lot of people thought he was incompetent. He was out, he was spending too much. So Linton was able to convince many military personnel to side with him in a coup. And Fiona, um, managed to, uh, the best way of putting it is if he played Starcraft two, uh, I forget the name of it, but he's the son, um, son of Manx. I don't remember, forgot his, his first name, that the, the younger Manx who in that, that's spoilers for like a 10 year old game, but he, he hires, <laughs> uh, he hires the, um, uh, Rainer at to, you know, who is sworn to kill his father to try to kill his father and take the reins for himself. <laughs> It's kind of like it's like oh my father is not is ignoring the major the major rules so I'm coming to you because you can get things done that kind of thing so Fiona kind of played that role where she was uh, going out and finding people who were upset about the death of Anthony Tanaka and other rebels who had existed against the Mezzers for hundreds of years maybe in kind of more subtle ways and she gathered these people together and then got special forces operators and advocacy agents to train them on how to infiltrate the advocacy and the military. They essentially, she essentially used green berets to train her, the anti, anti measure uh, rebels. Then on, um, uh, actually coming up, the, the anniversary is coming up soon. Uh, uh, August 12th, 2781, Kano stadium was going to be opened. So, Ulysses was driving through, driving past. He actually drove past. We'll talk to this guy in a bit. He drove past a crowd, and in this crowd, standing on his father's shoulders, was a young August Dunlow, who was uh, who had the day off because his school, his very important private school, had given them the day off to say hello, to wave at the emperor, the imperator, because he'd only get to see it every day. 
So he was able to see the Imperator drive by and he waved. Um, and uh, what August wouldn't know is that shortly before Ulysses would arrive at the stadium, Fiona's rebels blew it up with the bomb. Uh, we're not talking like a small stadium either. This is like, a, this would be like a modern, like sports arena, kind of like maybe probably even bigger than a modern sports arena, a huge facility, just gone, just destroyed by these rebels. And at the same time, the uh, a, a, uh, members of the military under uh, command of Linton surrounded and ambushed Ulysses' car and open fired and killed them. Now, as anyone who's ever seen or knows anything in history about coups, this, especially violent, bloody coups, they don't end very cleanly. So, you know, fighting was bro broken out between various factions of the government. Not everyone was necessarily in the side of Fiona and Linton. So it was this bloody affair that went on for the rest of the day. And unfortunately, in the initial explosion, um, August Dunlow's mother was killed. And during the fighting, his father was injured, grievously injured. And we know that this is the same kind of empire that uh, Anthony Tanaka was living in. So they were expecting to pay. He had to, uh, he had to pay for his father's health care. So August Dunlow was forced to go to work to try to try to make enough money to help his father. And they lived on the streets because their home was destroyed in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, the fighting. And shortly after his father eventually passed because he didn't have enough. So he was, here's this young, you know, I look at his actual age because I think he was like, uh, 11. Yeah. He was 11, about the same age as, uh, he's the exact same age as, as Anthony Tanaka. Um, this 11 year old kid was, uh, on the streets alone. And if it wasn't for an organization called Angeli's Angels, who actually, um, brought him in to an orphanage, he would have been stuck on the street, maybe died, maybe turned to crime. You know, Angeli is the street gangs of Angeli are famous for being orphan gangs, uh, or very serious syndicates. Uh, so he was brought into this orphanage and his hatred for the Mezzers and the fact that Linton, who would then take the throne, essentially killed his parents, made it a personal vendetta against the Mezzers and was trying to rise through the ranks. He managed to get some, some, some scholarships and such and ended up going to school to be a businessman. He made a lot of, uh, he, he was very uh, good at, at it. He went to, he went to college. He got some, got some scholarships for, for college. He became very um, active in anti-Mezer movements, anti-political uh, Mezer political movements, um, and to the point where, and he was very good at organizing. So to the point where um, they were going to go to a protest on Terra, and for some reason, I think he was sick or it was, um, let me look at it real quickly so I can see what, what it was. Um, yeah, was I think sick. he was sick. Yeah. yeah, he got he got he got like the flu or something like that, and so he wasn't able to get on a ship that was heading toward to the um, anti mezzer rally, and the ship that he was supposed to be on just surprisingly exploded and killed everyone on board somehow. Oopsie! Um, that was supposed to have one of the major leaders of the Angeli anti mezzer movement as part of it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of. Uh, uh, 
not so subtle attempt. You know, the Mezzers got less and less subtle in their 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 brutal handling of their uh, of anti of radicals as the years went on. Um, and that had made him forced him to get shuffled off into um, Xi'an space. But that event itself is good isn't a good indication of kind of what happens after the fact. Linton gets installed as Imperator. And during in, uh, Linton's reign, he um, bungles everything. Just bungles everything. Anything that could possibly go wrong, he bungled. Um, I don't know if you're going to talk about the the uh, Gian peace treaty that was signed uh, yeah. by the Terran, Terran governor, a Terran uh, senator, that Linton refused to sign because it would make it so that the Mezzers weren't as responsible for where, well, you know, it, it removes that boogeyman from their, from their closet. So Linton's like, I'm not going to sign that, uh, which then turned more people against him. Um, but on top of that, he was doing the same stupid stuff that his father was. And Fiona was pissed. Now, all of the rebels that Fiona had trained, most of them were rounded up and killed by Linton after the, uh, the coup, because the rebels thought that they were going to fight Linton, that they were going to take on all of the Mezzers, and that they were, that Fiona was this, you know, she was a Mezzer, but she was a pro-democracy. She was going to bring back the people. Um, and so the problem is, is that when you train people in asymmetrical warfare and to, and how to hide from, govern, from, from government, they're going to do that fairly well if you train them well enough. Um, and if you give them the exact codes and ways that, you know, patrols work and that kind of stuff, then they'll avoid those patrols. So many of these radicals who had professional military training disappeared into the ether. And some of them were protected by uh, uh, Lydia, who herself was, uh, or Fiona, I'm sorry, I always call it Lydia for some reason, but Fiona, um, protected by Fiona who were trying to build her own little forces to go against her brother. Uh, and with that, well, before you did that, you guys want to, uh, you know, any comments or anything else like that about this? Cause I know you um, two were both ex military. So you probably have a little bit yep. more of a kind of a context for this sort of thing. Well, first, were you talking about Valerian Minsk? Yeah, Starcraft? Valerian Minsk. yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. been a long day, long, long time since I, I played. Same game, here. So. I remember. I remember. I was surprised. I remembered Mensk at the very least. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, right, yeah. So um, I, I, I mean, I think you hit all the the highlights there. It's, mm -hmm. it's uh, it really the segue into the next section is yeah. is about that type of uh, teaching people how to do that stuff. But it's, I see so much inspiration being drawn from different movies and different, you know, uh, sci-fi type of things. Like I see a lot of, uh, with Anthony Tanaka, I see a lot of uh, like Hunger Games type stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, I see a lot of Star Wars in there with, with you know, essentially an emperor uh, mm -hmm. and, and absolute power. And the, I guess what's interesting is that they still, had a Senate, even though the Senate really didn't have any real power. They still have the Senate, which is very like episode three and four Star Wars, right? And it's mm -hmm. and 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 it's kind of interesting that they are they're trying to justify their rule of of fear. Really, it's fear mm -hmm. of the next Tavarmore or the next 
uh, you know, the Vanduul or or the Xion or you know, mm-hmm. I guess not the Banu, but all those all those aliens and. We have to be prepared. So they're driving this huge military industrial complex. But on the side, they want to create all these grand architectural buildings and bankrupt the empire while they're doing it. And it's that's the uniqueness of, of these measures. And I don't know what it is about, you know, making the, the you know, building the, the giant stadium and all this. I don't know what. Uh, of course, they're crazy. But yeah. I, I would. I guess I'd like to see more of kind of what's driving that architectural gene. Yeah, you it's, know. Um, ba- based off of what I've been researched, essentially what happened was there for some reason Gaylor and uh, Samuel and going forward, I think Sam's mom as well, the one who who was the imperator before him, all for some reason got stuck in their brain that you could rule a, a country by architecture alone. That like mm-hmm. if they built enough really like oppressive architecture that to make people feel small that they'd be less likely to rebel, um, you know, which which is why I call them insane because it's like mm-hmm. people don't necessarily rebel don't don't not rebel because they they were afraid of a giant statue in a courtyard. the The reason why they rebel, especially in history, is because they can't eat. <laughs> or yeah. because yeah. they have yeah. nothing left to lose and you gave it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you were the one who caused them to have nothing left to lose. And so, you know, they, they kill you. Um, and so it's like, you know, and, and I think it really does mirror a lot of like the, the Roman emperors who like as time oh, on, yeah. they became oh, more absolutely. focused on like the, the trappings of power rather than actual power. You know, whereas the early Roman emperors were more focused on, we need to actually secure power. We need to make sure that people are happy because if people aren't happy, they'll just kill us all and take over. So we need to make sure that, you know, we need to, you know, border our rule based off of power over the people. Mm-hmm. And with like Ivor Mezer, his daughter, his son, his daughter, uh, his granddaughter, that all very kind of comes across as like, hey, we understand that our hold on this power is very tenuous. Um, and a genuine belief that, they believed that they were doing the right thing for humanity. That if they weren't in charge, then they would have already had a third Tavarn war or a Xi'an war. That like they're the reason why the Xi'an hadn't attacked yet, or the reason why the Tavarn hadn't rerose. Uh it's debatable, but at least they had some sort of convinc- convictions. But like third from the fourth uh measure on, it was just it was assassination and after assassination. Mm-hmm you know, coups going on all left, right, and center. It was about power rather than the responsibility. So, right. You know. Yeah. I, I see him pulling again from different inspiration of Roman mm-hmm. emperors from, you know, from Nero to a little bit of Augustus and Julius Caesar and, and the way the whole Senate works and, and mm-hmm. with, with, with an emperor, without an emperor, it's, it's, it's funny how history literally repeats itself, right? Even in yeah. even in lore, um, I, I see a lot of Game of Thrones in in this yeah. stuff too. <laughs> yeah. This is why I like the lore of Star Citizen because it's yeah. like, yeah, there's definitely some Game of Thrones stuff all over this 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 yeah. this, uh, this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, one thing I um noticed in all of this when I was doing uh, the reading on this portion, um, without this, without the stadium blowing up, without certain things happening um would there be a crusader i mean yeah. this really shaped him young august 
and it shaped his philosophies with his company. Um, it's and just walking around Orison, looking at the splendor, um, and just feeling you can actually feel that people are happy to be there. The yeah. employees are happy to be there. You don't have that guy in that one place, you know, what do you want? You know, just yeah. put that back. And, you know, I haven't <laughs> found him yet, Norrison. But um, it's some of these things on who are these people working here? And they're just people that are not just dedicated, that know their jobs and they do them well, but they're, they want to give back too. Mm -hmm. And in Crusader, that's what Crusader's all about. They want to... Um, you know, they want to build the best of the best, period, mm. and have, um, a, you know, employees that are living well, but they also want to do what's morally and um, morally right across the empire. So yeah. if they I, can I, cut some costs here by doing this, but it would kind of scout this boundary, they go, nope, we're not going to do that. We'll spend yeah. more money. Uh, for, I forgot to mention that August Dunlow, for those of you who are playing Star Citizen 314 right now or further or further patches, mm -hmm. is the name of the spaceport in, in yep. Orison because it's yeah. August Dunlow would go on to found Crusader Industries. Yeah. He's so like a lot of his, you know, his early days as uh, his, you know, his his being molded by the tragedy of his life and then going on to fight the Mezzers as an almost personal vendetta and then trying to rebuild a better humanity and f it failing to do so with the new government. Right. He just said, you know, right. I'm going to turn to business. You know, I was, yep. I was business. I, I have a business degree. I'm just going to turn to business. And then he did, you know? Right. So, well, and they, and they funded a, a huge amount to Angelis angels. angels. Oh, they, yeah. yeah. And, oh yeah. And then oh, yeah. I was reading about, I don't remember what CEO it was, but the, I guess the board or something was talking about reducing the amount that they fund mm -hmm. and being a little right. bit more about profit. And then they, they had to go out right. on a limb and say, no, this is what August Dunlow wanted to do. These are his ideals. This is the ideals of the company. And it eventually, you know, it's stuck. And they're still, to our knowledge, doing that type of philanthropy yeah. today. Right. Yeah. They basically right. cover right. their costs. They cover their operating costs and everything right. else that's profit almost like 90% of their, their profits go to charity. Right. Um, right. You know, so. Yeah. We could tell Java's a little biased towards Crusader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're probably the most moral company in the game, even yeah. more moral than the name, uh, than the game that's named after the guy who created the game. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, and yeah. they make really cool ships. So it's like, yes, they do. Uh, yeah. Um, but speaking of this kind of rolling into this absolute cluster that is Linton's Ledmezer's, um, uh, you know, imperatorship, uh, Fist, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the the end of the Mezzer era? Sure. So um, we know that Linton, who was Mezzer the Eleventh, uh, took mm -hmm. over for from his father Ulysses. Um, and like you said, he it was just one blunder after another, um, just bad decision, bad decision. And they were just as cruel and oppressive as their predecessors were. Um, and I think uh, it doesn't really say it specifically, but I think Fiona had a lot. They weren't really co-imperators, -imper but she had a lot of sway uh, on the decisions that Linton would have made. Um, 
there was a treaty, uh, the Akari Cray, something like yes. that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was uh, with the Xi'an and uh, the humans. And so the Senate, one of the senators uh, from Terra, um, he kind of secretly went over to this neutral it was across the pair somewhere in the by the parry line uh yeah let me look it up real quickly but actually no i actually did a galactic storm piece on it i was like oh right yeah that's okay where it's, it got signed um, yeah and they they basically signed an agreement to basically a, a kind of a, a loose peace agreement to and it was the start of the end of the cold war with the Xion and um People were uh, once it got back. The, uh, Linton said, "I'm not going to sign this because he has to ratify the treaty, and he refused to ratify." People did not like that at all. It, it led to more uh, hostility towards the Measure regime. Um, what else happened towards him? Let's talk about Garon too. <laughs> um, so Garon too was a I don't remember what system it was in, but um, it was a it was a planet that had an indigenous uh, species that um, that every, I guess not everybody, but everybody pretty much knew that that they were sentient. They had intelligence, and the UEE kind of claimed that planet, and they decided to terraform it, and all in really all in the name of profit, right? You could you terraform it so you could have a workforce down there, mine it, strip mine it, whatever you're going to do, and. You know, this should have been hush-hush, but it wasn't, and all that information got leaked out, and that that specifically the Mezers approved the genocide of a sentient species on Garen 2, and that really was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, and there was a, for for lack of a better word, a terrorist group uh, called the Tide. And the Tide is basically what started the revolution of uh, getting the Mezzers out of there. Um, and just to uh, go back to earlier, when I'm when when I I'm reading the lore, you know, and <laughs> there it goes a little bit back to Hunger Games because, you know, the Hunger Games, it was so oppressive and, and there was no communication between a lot of the different districts and stuff. But they had their TV shows that were completely controlled by the government, right? And I believe uh, most of the media in the the Meser era was controlled a lot by the government. You know, it had to pass all those checks. And the the broadcast was about, like, the nightly news. And they were talking about the wedding of Val Meser to, to Celia Carter. And let's talk about their wedding dress and this and that. And then all of a sudden... Tide, you know, takes over the airwaves, and uh, they say, you know, pull the veil from your eyes and and see. And they kind of showed the footage of Garen too, and everybody because they hacked the you know the spectrum that everybody watched. Everybody saw that they terraformed this planet and they they killed everything just to kind of feed the greed. And then almost a, like almost immediately after that you had basically 22 days of insurrection and which which it's a really cool post if you guys decide to read that but it culminated at day 22 with uh the death of 
at least Linton Mezer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't think he died. I think he was captured. I'm not sure if he died, but oh, he was. Uh, he was, he was, was he killed? Okay, he was killed he was when killed. they stormed the palace. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, they, I don't think they found Fiona though. Fiona's mm-hmm. in the wind, and still to this day, her and maybe her children or anything like that would be in the wind. And uh, they established a new government. Uh, which is the government we have today with the first emperor uh, after that being Aaron Toy. And she came out on a broadcast of the, the media outlets that were formerly controlled by the Mezzers and started talking about, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to immediately institute term limits for every emperor, which is 10 years. Um, you know, the Senate is back, you know, it's not just a, a, a despotic uh, type of government. And, they established uh, new uh, cabinet members like High General, High Secretary, High Advocate. All those, all that stuff is back. And mm-hmm. um, but really, if 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 you start looking back, it, it come. Yeah, the Tide was the group that kind of started pushing that, and I have no doubt that they were the ones who actually those guerrillas that learned how to be guerrillas from the overthrow of Ulysses Meser. Mm-hmm. They got. They figured out. Hey, you know, this is how we do this. And one of the one of the cool ways they did this was they they ended up because uh, obviously the government controls all the comm relays, and the government was wondering, you know, high command is Admiral Kale's like, hey, how do you know stop all the jump point traffic? How are they still communicating? Because you know, if you cut off uh, communication, that's first thing in the playbook. If if the enemy cannot talk to each other, you you have a just a huge tactical advantage. But they had learned through being guerrillas uh, to piggyback onto the military signal. And those they were able to communicate with that and they were able to still stay within comms and uh, organize and boom, everything everything kind of came down and you know ousted the measures out of there and it's it's a pretty cool story of how it all went down and uh, just it's the you know th- this part's the end of Star, Star Wars yeah. and, and all that. The, the, the dancing in the streets, yeah, you know, throwing, yeah, throwing, you throwing, know, throwing the the stormtrooper up and down on the, in the crowd, you know, that that kind of thing, yeah, yeah. And I can only imagine, you know, where August Dunlow and all these other. Uh, People that have put so much work and effort into fighting such a such a oppressive regime, and then the you know the people, I think they were so under they just didn't have the knowledge that all this was going on, you know. And and when you, as a government, control the media and really everything about it and what people see, you you control the narrative, right? And. Once people started learning, like, oh, wow, this is really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> these guys, you know, I, I, it's just kind of kind of interesting. And, I, and it makes me wonder if the Romans were the same way and stuff like that. Once people really found out about that. And there's even parts of U.S. history and other world history today where where we see things like this. And, and uh, what was it? Uh, Egypt was a very yeah. similar revolution like that. And... You know, now they're a democratic state. So interesting uh, lore there yeah. in, the Star, in the Star Citizen. 
the 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 other things that I'm, I'm reminded of is the thundering Thor shoes, where which is a, a, around the same time, a group called being called the thundering Thor shoes, which is a bomber squadron of retaliators, uh, were sent on a mission to go kill a small group of rebels in a moon. It was supposed to be a tr- like a, like a terrorist training camp, is what they were told. So they go into the system, they they form up, they start scanning the system for any signals because they don't want to get ambushed because they figure if this is a terrorist training camp, there's probably fighter squadron or something around there protecting them. The scanning, nothing, nothing. All of the scans they bring up do not seem to be anything about like a terrorist training camp or weapons munitions. Nothing seemed like that. And as they got closer and closer and closer, the scans, they, they, they actually calmed, they broke protocol and calmed the base that, because there was a base on this moon. They calmed the base and said, you know, surrender, you know, we're about to bomb you. And the reply back is, we're a farming commune. What are you doing? And the uh, the commander is just like, yeah, it, like, the commander of the, the squadron and like well, most of most, most of his uh, his his uh, starmen were like, this does not look like anything we were told. These are a bunch of civilians on a moon. Like <laughs> there's no guns yep. here. Mm-hmm. So they decided to, they had antimatter torpedoes, which are these incredibly devastating weapons that can destroy planets. And so instead of firing on the moon, they fired it at uh, some asteroids um, because they were ordered to fire because they come back to to command. We're like, hey, this is we have bad intel. These are just civilians. I don't I, I didn't sign up to kill civilians. And the, their their uh, the admiral said, you fire those damn torpedoes. So they did. They just didn't fire it at the moon. So when they came back, they were immediately arrested and court martialed for not following orders. And they were sitting waiting for um, for judgment they were sitting waiting for to like basically get black bagged or get killed and yeah. while they were waiting for that for their 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 trial uh they were released because the measures had been overthrown mm-hmm. so uh so they're like they're still around today there's still those fire bomber squadrons around today but that's like one of those like every time in in verse every time they, they talk about like the uh like invictus week like the navy will always bring up the thundering thor shoes because they like they 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 did the hardest thing in the military to do, which is not follow an order because it was against the law or against the mor- morality, which is the hardest thing for anyone in the military. Anyone who's been in the military probably tell you is, as y- y'all probably know, it's yeah. like, yeah. you gotta, yep. you don't question orders and it's hard to question orders, even if it's seeming morally wrong because you don't want to be the wrong guy or be, you, you don't, may not have all the information sort of thing. So, but yeah, so th- that kind of yeah. illustrates that like, it wasn't just these rebels like you had Tanaka, you had the whole like I'm not going to sign a peace treaty with the Jean, even though Jean want a peace treaty. You have the military being like I didn't sign up to kill civilians. <laughs> you know you you have so you have like everyone in this chain is just like done with the measures, and all it takes is this one event for all of them to go. We're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. this ends today. You know this ends this month. We're just gonna finish this off because we can't do this anymore. Um, so yeah, it's it's almost like a collective just release of the tension that had been building up for like two hundred years. So. Right. Well, but just that the that the people overthrew, you know, and it had to be. Yeah. I know the 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 lore isn't completely done, but it, it, we're talking system by system by system. I mean, we know there was protesters in Croshaw uh, and and and. At, on Vale, and they were getting shot at. Like two hundred people got killed, and mm-hmm. I'm sure on Earth and Terra and all these other planets, there. You know, once that news got out, yeah, they were just done. 
Mm-hmm. It's time time to <laughs> yeah time for time for a change. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another. This is my personal theory as well. There's a, a bit of lore that there was a dictator on Idris Four, which I think is Locke, um, that was at a reb- like a rebellion against them. And they, um, the company Castac Arms, I love Castac Arms. I, I'm going to do an entire yeah. big, big breakdown of Castac Arms because I love Castac Arms because they're the most immoral, moral company that has ever existed in Star Citizen. <laughs> they are literally yeah. like they're arms dealers and they don't care who they sell to, but they're going to do their best to make sure that they sell to both sides, but make sure that everyone knows they sold to the right side. <laughs> yeah. And which side is that? The winning side? The, the winning, winning side. side. <laughs> um, that's who yeah. writes the history. Yep. Yep. That's and, and so one of the things they did was they actually managed to uh, help smuggle weapons to the rebels on and lock. And um, they were able to overthrow their dictator and so as a thank you, the new government actually sent a flag, a new flag to Castac Arms' uh, the first run of their new flag was sent to Castac Arms' headquarters um, as a thank you for their for their weapons helping them overthrow their, their dictatorship. And they actually hung it, they hang it in their uh, in their lobby for their headquarters of this of this this flag that they help of this country they helped build. Um, and my theory is is that, you know, as I said. Revolutions are messy and they take a long time. They they don't they're not instantaneous. Like I'm sure those 20 days or 30 days was a was an intense time period. And but I don't think that just when Mezer died that everyone just kind of was like, oh, we're done. I'm sure there were yeah. holdouts. And I yeah. my theory is mm-hmm. is that Lock Four was a was a Mezer holdout who refused to leave, and the military was so weakened from internal strife and civil war that they couldn't really organize an effort. So. Right what essentially a castac arms was doing was almost their civil duty and saying like, Hey, we're going to help the pro government radicals who are trying to overthrow this, this dictatorship for uh, the, the UEE. We're going to give them arms, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a whole story that we're missing in the right. lore right. about like the lead up. We know the lead up, but like the context and the aftermath of this, of this revolution. So, yeah, I, I would like to, um learn a little more about that because um erin toy i guess it is toy mm-hmm. t-o-i um i mean she's the one that took over right afterwards yeah and she, she was a senator from yeah era terror yeah, uh, uh, senator uh for earth soul three yeah. um and she she was only in there 10 years but she passed a lot of initiatives um like the fair chance act that's a big one. Um, but, you know, we all know why that one was passed, you know, uh, about the sentient beings. Um, you know, that uh, that one was passed, but she passed a lot of other things, too. And she did all this within 10 years. Um, did she get pushback um, or did people just follow? That's that's that would be kind of interesting to. Well, to I, I think she had the well. Senate. She had yeah. the Senate back in there, right? So when you yeah. pass the prime directive, right. yeah, you yeah. know, you so the prime directive, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it would, I would imagine, it would go through the Senate and then to her, mm-hmm. even you know, even politicians today, the president will have, you know, their their person in Congress introduce a bill that's their bill, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, like like Paul was saying, 
the economy would have collapsed, you know, oh, all but, oh, yeah. yeah, all but the biggest, the biggest corporations like uh, an Anvil or an Aegis or, you know, and, and I know Aegis suffered tremendously because they, they were so collapsed. tight. They were yeah, they worse. were. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's that would have been, I mean, that's such a big shit manufacturer. <laughs> well, the, the only reason why they didn't collapse was because they had for so for like 300 years had been the only manufacturer for the military. Mm -hmm. So it would right. be like today if you took Lockheed and, uh, you know, all, all of the modern aerospace engineers or all of the naval engine, engineering companies and just said, we're going to take all of your engineers and throw them into an inferno. Uh, and then said, military, go defend us. You know, the, the, your average, you know, naval, naval, you know, uh, en uh, engineer or, or mechanic would be like, I don't have any fucking parts. Like, where am I going to get these parts? Yeah. The company, you just, <laughs> you just nuked my, the company that makes these parts and I got to replace this every four hours. Like, <laughs> how am I going yeah. to do this? Yeah. So that's the yeah. only thing that saved Aegis was because like they were the only ones who made the parts and the sh for the ships that were still being used. And if it wasn't for that, they would have 100% been axed like the other companies had yeah. because they were so yeah. tight with the measures. Oh, yeah. I've had to deal with getting parts on a, on a carrier uh, in the middle of a, of a war, basically. And it's yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah, it takes a while to get little things. Yeah, yeah. and I've been um, I've had to try and get parts for equipment and on you're on an island. So um, you yeah. go find parts is what you got to do. Yeah. yeah, manufacture so, yeah. your own stuff. <laughs> so or scavenge you, it. <laughs> you, you both know the firsthand how hard it is when you actually have parts being manufactured for the things that you have. You know, imagine imagine being on an island or an, an aircraft carrier and just knowing that these parts don't exist anymore. So anything you have <laughs> find yeah. is the last of yeah. its kind. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's yeah. There's a reason why Aegis didn't get the axe, and that's that's, yep. that's yep. the big one. So <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. great discussion. Um, this is a good episode. Uh, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to be the next episode that I'm going to do actually been planning a little bit as well. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about the cold war that led up oh, to this okay. revolution, a little bit more about awesome. the context of this kind cool. of stuff. But I, this is a really, a really interesting, um, event as it were in uh, a series of events at, you know, give you some context for, you know, for those of you who are listening and watching this for the current state of like, why is everything so messy in the current UEE? It's like, well, it's because for 300 years, a bunch of crazy people ran, ran the government and, you know, it, it took yeah. a violent revolution to change that. So that doesn't get cleaned up quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Fist and Jawa. And make sure you go to it's fistandjawa.org or twitch.tv yep. slash fistandjawa, youtube.com. Just, just look up Fist and Jawa on YouTube, all those yep. sorts of places. Thank you for yeah, coming check on. Check out the natural ones on uh, yeah. every, yeah, other natural ones every, every other yeah, Monday. Every other Monday. And uh, like I say every time, hope to see you someday in the black. And remember, Ex Historia and Astro.